It is late September 1969, 50 years ago. U.S. troops are being withdrawn from Vietnam. Warships are headed home from the Western Pacific. Meanwhile, we are transiting the North Atlantic aboard the USS Yorktown, which six years later will become a maritime museum at Patriots Point in Charleston Harbor. Our mission, a goodwill tour of European ports. I'm standing the mid-watch, midnight to four in the morning in CIC, the Combat Information Center. It is a slow night as most are at sea. It is a big ocean and a long, boring ride across it. My thoughts are on Carolyn, my beautiful young wife and our first child, which she is expecting in about two months. The silence is broken. Sir, new surface contact bearing such and such and a degree at such and such a distance. I have forgotten the degree on the compass where the contact was and the distance from the Yorktown. Being a surface contact means it's a ship, not an aircraft. It is spotted on radar and it is so far away as to be of little concern. Designate the contact Alpha. A few minutes later, sir, contact Alpha bearing such and such a degree at such and such a distance. The bearing on the compass is the same as the first report. The distance is closer. Minutes later, sir, alpha at constant bearing, decreasing range. Constant bearing, decreasing range is the technical definition of a collision course. We're tracking alpha carefully as it comes closer. Tension mounts as reports continue. It is about two in the morning. The captain of the Yorktown and his senior officers and the admiral and his staff are tucked in sound asleep. There are a few men on the bridge, in CIC, in the engine room, and two lookouts on top of the conning tower. Most everyone else is asleep. I flip the switch on the intercom to the bridge and speak to the officer of the deck, a junior officer like myself, but he has command and control of the ship. Com, CIC, we have a contact at such and such a bearing at such and such a distance. Constant bearing, decreasing range. Contact designated alpha. I recommend a course correction to such and such a new heading. A small course correction will have little effect on our trip and will remove any threat of a collision. No reaction from the bridge. Minutes later, alpha, sir, alpha, constant bearing, decreasing range. The, di the distance is closing and becoming more of a concern. Com CIC, contact Alpha in constant bearing decreasing range. I recommend a course correction to such and such a degree. Still no reaction from the bridge. We're getting nervous in CIC. Sir, Alpha, constant bearing decreasing range. Distance closing fast. It is apparent that a contact to Alpha is a merchant ship transiting on an iron mic. That means they set a course for the ship and everybody, the captain and the crew, went to bed. There is no one on board that ship watching what is about to happen. As I said, it's a big ocean. The chance of hitting anything is slim to none. Still, there is a chance. Calm, CIC. 
Contact Alpha is at constant bearing decreasing range. Closing fast. I recommend a hard right rudder. Nothing. Panic in CIC. The lookouts on top of the conning tower can see the merchant ship. They are screaming. Finally, there is panic on the bridge. Hard right rudder. All ahead full. Sound general quarters. General quarters in the middle of the night and on a dark and cold ocean is a scary thing. The captain and the crew are awakened from a dead sleep. The admiral and his staff are jarred out of bed. Hatches are battened and locked down. A collision at sea between a 900-foot aircraft carrier and a 1,000-foot merchant ship is imminent. We're literally afraid for our lives. Thanks be to God, the merchant ship passed down our port side so close that the lookouts say they can throw their binoculars on board the ship. The crew on board the merchant ship never knew. The crew on board the Yorktown will never forget. There's a lesson to be learned. The things we fear the most are often the result of our own action or inaction. An early course correction would have made that September night nothing more than another boring night at sea. Instead, it was the most terrifying night of my life. We narrowly avoided a collision that might have cost hundreds of lives. There were nearly 5,000 men on board the Yorktown that night and probably less than a dozen on the merchant ship. All lives were saved. The things we fear the most are often the result of our own action or inaction. We see that same lesson in the Old Testament teaching to today. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. I'll read verses 3, 4, and 5 again. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell you to tell my lord, in order that I may find favor in your sight. Jacob was offering a bribe to Esau. He referred to Esau as Lord and to himself as Esau's servant. He was willing to give Esau oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants in return for favor in his sight. Why such a generous offer? Jacob had not forgotten the hatred that Esau had for him. Jacob imagined that Esau had been steaming for years, waiting to get even for him for cheating him out of his birthright. Jacob, whose name means he takes by the heel or he cheats, had indeed cheated his brother Esau out of his birthright. You know the story. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, was pregnant with twins and had struggled together within and they struggled together within her. Esau came out first, then Jacob holding on to Esau's heel. Esau became a hunter, an outdoorsman. 
Jacob was a quiet man who lived in his tent. Jacob was cooking a pot of stew one day, and Esau came in from the field. He was hungry. Esau asked for a bowl of stew, and Jacob sold it to him in exchange for his birthright as the firstborn son. Sometime later, Rebekah helped Jacob deceive his blind father, Isaac, into believing he was Esau, and Isaac gave Esau's blessing to Jacob. You might argue that it was only fair. After all, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. Esau didn't see it that way. Whether justified or not, he was angry. He hated his brother and planned to kill him. Isaac eventually sent Jacob away to keep him from marrying a Canaanite woman to protect the lineage, instructing him to marry one of the daughters of Laban, who was Rebekah's brother. To make a long story short, Jacob married both Leah and Rachel, Laban's daughters, and he took their female servants, Zilpah and Bilhah, as concubines. While Carolyn was still on the delivery table giving birth to our third son, she said, well, we have th three sons. I responded, yes, but Jacob had 12 sons. <laughs> and she replied, yes, and he had four wives and I have done my share. <laughs> End of conversation. The time came for Jacob to return to the promised land. He took his wives, his children, his oxen, donkeys, sheep, and servants, and headed home, but not without some concern of how he might be received by his brother Esau. So Jacob sent the messengers before him, offering Esau a bribe. Now to verse 6 of our text. And the message returned to Jacob, saying, we came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. 400 men. Continuing in verse 7. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, you think? And why wouldn't he be greatly in, afraid and distressed? He is on a collision course with his past. His brother Esau and 400 men are at constant bearing decreasing range. Jacob is, about, is no doubt think, rethinking his earlier deception. The fear he has now is a result of his action as a younger man. What would happen next? What must Jacob do? Our text continues. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to the first camp, and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. The best Jacob could hope for, it seems, was to save half of his family. Continuing at verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children. Benjamin was not yet born. And crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. Jacob must have been in torment, afraid of for his family and his own life. Tomorrow he would collide with Esau and 400 men. 
Have you ever passed a night alone in fear of losing everything you hold dear? If you have, what comes next will be familiar. Wrestling with God in prayer. Verse 24. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Who is this man with whom Jacob wrestled? Scholars generally agree that it was a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance in human form of the second person of the Trinity. Earlier in Genesis, three men appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. One of them, Abraham called Lord. The other two are angels that went to Sodom to free Lot and his family. There are other Old Testament appearances of the pre-incarnate Jesus. That's when the Lord appeared at Shiloh and revealed himself to Samuel. The question raised by such pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus is, why did he have to be born of a virgin if he could appear in human form without being born? The simple answer is that he had, to, he had the power to appear in human form. He still had to be made truly human in order to redeem mankind, to be our kinsman redeemer, to fulfill the law. If Jesus merely appeared to be human, then he could not suffer and die in our place for our sins. The writer to the Hebrews tells us he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. It is heresy to say that Jesus was not truly human. Yes, he could appear in human form before his incarnation, and he did. But he had to be born of a woman to redeem us. He had to suffer the humiliation of the cross and die to save us from our sins. It is also heresy to say that Jesus was not truly God, who existed from before all time. John tells us in his gospel that Jesus said to the Jews, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Paul wrote to the Colossians that Jesus was the creator. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. The man who wrestled with Jacob was the creator of the universe, appearing in human form, who would become truly human to save us. Verse 26 and 27. Then the man said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go. And he said, Jacob. Remember Jacob's name means he cheats. Verse 28. Then the man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Israel means he strives with God. Jacob indeed prevailed, for we see in chapter 33 that Esau ran to Jacob and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Jacob's prayers were answered. 
his worst fears relieved. Jacob and Esau were reconciled. All was forgiven, but that is only part of the story. Jacob was a changed man, a new man with a new name, Israel. His striving with God did not change God. He is unchangeable. Jacob's striving with God changed Jacob. He became Israel. Beloved, there is another lesson. Prayer will not change God. He is unchangeable. Prayer will change you. Let me be clear. God hears and answers our prayers. As Jesus said in our gospel lesson from Luke 18, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. James writes in his epistle, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. God hears and answers prayers. He desires to do us good. Prayer may bring healing, it may bring forgiveness, it may change our life or change our circumstances, but prayer will not change God. He is not capricious, fickle, or impulsive. He is unchangeable. The theological term is immutable. Look at verses 29 and 30. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The man with whom Jacob wrestled refused to give Jacob his name. Jacob also Jacob had cheated Esau out of his blessing. But now he is blessed by God, whom he saw face to face, and yet he did not die. We will later learn that Moses feared to look at the face of God. In fact, God warned Moses at Sinai that the people must not approach the mountain, lest they look on God and many of them perish. But Jacob saw God's face and lived. A quick review. What have we learned? First, the things we fear the most are often the result of our own action or inaction. It was Jacob's deceit that put him on a collision course with Esau and caused him to fear their reunion. Beloved, your decisions today will greatly impact your future. Your action or inaction today may bring fear tomorrow or it may bring hope. Pray for guidance before you act. You may, that may spare you the fear, may keep you from sin, from sin. Second, the God to whom we pray is the, is the man who wrestled with Jacob, who was the creator of the universe appearing in human form, who now has become truly human 
who died on a cross and rose from the dead to save us. I urge you to put your trust in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Third, prayer will not change God. He is unchangeable. Prayer will change us. On a collision course with fear or pending problems, we may wrestle with God in prayer. He will not change. But the good news is he will change us, and we need to be changed. What is it that changes us? It is an encounter with the God-man, Jesus Christ. He has been born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law from the curse of the law. Would you be set free from sin and fear? Repent of past action and inaction, things done and left undone. Get alone with Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.